Hello everyone and welcome to the Motor City Hoops podcast, an entertaining fresh take on the three-time NBA champs, the Detroit Pistons. Hey Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Motor City Hoops. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavaliers Central, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Daily Thunder, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At The Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break, plus our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Features and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com. Hello and welcome to Motor City Hoops. Today we have a special episode. Our guest Rashad Phillips will take us through his new position dictionary, give us his take on the Pistons rookies, and touch on a few other NBA topics. Rashad, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be on your guys' platform. I'm, I'm very excited. Let's get it going. Absolutely. Bryce, you want to take it over? I know you have... S- so many questions about the position dictionary. Yeah, so Rashad, man, I'm just, I, I love this thing. I dove into it a little bit. I was checking mine with yours and, and I missed the boat on a few. But um, I just want to know, Rashad, for our listeners, what is the inspiration behind this? Why was it important? I've seen you tweeting out about it a little bit lately, but just give them a little bit of background on why you felt this was necessary. Yeah, um, you know, I've been, you know, I consider myself a a basketball historian. You know, I I was born in the game of basketball, so I've always been around it and, you know, been a close observer of the game, not only as a participant, but, you know, as a student. And, um, you know, over the years, I've just um, been watching the evolution of the world, you know, as far as the, the automobile industry it's evolved. The TV industry has evolved. The, you know, the cell phones have evolved, you know, just th- this world of evolution. And I started to look at sports and, and look how and looked at how the players um, are evolving each year um, since the beginning of time. And I just felt that the terminology of the game of basketball has been outdated. And we've yet to evolve the language, even though the players have evolved. So I take my own story uh, as a basketball player. When I played, I don't think that the powers that be and the scouts and the coaches or recruiters or whatever, 
I was never slotted properly for the game style that I had. And ultimately, I believe that was one of the reasons that um, I didn't get a chance at the NBA is because I wasn't slotted properly. Now, I could take my own individual story, but there's hundreds of other stories of players that have went down that same role of being uh, miscategorized. And it, it has either cost them their career in the NBA or costed them millions of dollars in the NBA or what have you. So I just felt that with my platform, um, it, it was time for someone to step out there um, and, 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 and really categorize these players that we love and appreciate so much the right way to give the average onlooker um, the true meaning of what basketball is when you're watching these great players today. That's all. Awesome. That that's awesome, Rashad. I, I know you. Do you mind going into your career a little bit? Because I mean, you were a big time scorer at Detroit. You played at Detroit Mercy, and so what was your label? And then what do you feel like you should have been labeled according to your position dictionary that maybe helped continue your career into the NBA? Yeah, I mean, you know, I was, you know, I spent four years in college. I was, you know. Um, you know, broke every record, scoring record, three-point record, free throw record. You know, uh, I was an All-American. And, you know, I was labeled the, just the, a point guard. And, you know, at that time for me, uh, that position, point guard, the description for that position was just pass the ball and get out of the way, you know. Um, and, and for me, that wasn't the way I played the game. Um, I was more of a a scorer. Um, I was able to disrupt the game plan of the opposing team with my style of play with, you know, great passing, long range shooting, scoring um, off the dribble, uh, uh, creating shots for others. And I just felt that the way I played didn't fit the description that they were trying to put me as just like this point guard. Um, so. When I look at my positions metric now, I was definitely a hybrid guard, which is a, a player that is, um, I call them the king cobras of basketball, like just very, very poisonous. Um, they play, you. they have a unique style. They are more score than facilitator, but they have the ability to facilitate when needed. And I felt that's what I was. Man, Rashad, I can't thank you enough for the dictionary because you know what I found? Me as a – I was labeled a Paul Ford early on, right? I came over to the U.S. when I was 15. I was 6'9", 170 pounds. And really, I was shooting a lot of threes. But the expectation was for a Paul Ford, you know, kind of play back to the basket and all that stuff. And it was it, – it was just so hard at times for me. And – Probably that's why I end up transferring to American from George Mason because the expectations were very different. And, you know, I played with Bryce and then Bryce coached me for one year when he was our ops guy at American. And, you know, Bryce can attest to this. The way I was used, it was not like a, as a power forward. And that's the reason I was so successful at American and I wasn't at George Mason, in my opinion. And, you know, all this, as soon as I saw this and I was like, oh, man, this makes so much sense right now. It's yep. like, it's exactly yep. what coaches should be looking at. I'm like, okay, what is it? You know, like, 
okay, he's six nine. He's is he really a power four? You know, he's one seventy five. You know, like I, I just wasn't fitting that bill. So there were schools like bigger schools that were recruiting me, and they're like, oh, he needs more weight on, and he needs to do this. He needs to play back to basket. He needs a you know lefty and righty jump hook. And I was like, that's all fine, but I'm like six nine. They were trying to jam you into a slot. Yep. yep. That's the problem with sports is that they only have five slots, right? So they try to fit you in one of those five slots. And if you don't fit the slot they're jamming you in, then they they ostracize you as a player. So if you don't fit that position, then you're considered where you don't you need to keep working. Well, I'm just not a power forward. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, and th- that's where, like, me and Vlad had, I was lucky enough I did fit into that traditional role as a player, but we had multiple players on our team that, would have, like you said, Rashad, there's so many guys, you know, not to the same extent as your story, but fits into that story of they weren't tall enough, so they couldn't be a shooting guard. We had a 5'10 shooting guard that shot the lights out, but he was 5'10", so they tried to make him a point guard, but Rashad, that wasn't his game. He that That's not his slot. Exactly. And, and, you know, we had an old school coach. Jeff Jones was our coach, but I give him credit now. Like, I think about this and what you've put out there with the position dictionary. And I'm like, he was seeing these things. He was evolving and he may not have called them those things. Yeah. But I give him a lot of credit thinking back on it now because he put a 5'10 shooting guard on the floor. And, and, and that, that it wasn't easy to do that back in 2007, 2008. Definitely not. It was so taboo to. You had to fit the five slots or you were an outcast. <laughs> yeah. So I was a complete outcast when I played. It was like the NBA was like, what are we going to do with him? He's five nine and he scores a ton of points, but that's but he's supposed to be a point guard. So it was like I didn't fit their slot. So it was like we don't know. We don't have any room for him because he doesn't fit the slot. Actually, when I was going through all my draft workouts, you know, I, I played in the PIT just like you did, and I, I played pretty well. I shot the ball really well, and um, as soon as it came to my workouts, it was like, well, he's not athletic to play the power forward position. And I'm like, okay, then. There we go. And, like, years down the road, I see things change, and I'm like, oh, man, that's a bummer, you know? like Yeah. <laughs> the, way, the way it was, like, oh, I wish it was, like, a little bit towards, like, now, the way – um, the way these guys are, you know, we're talking about Giannis, LeBron, KD, Jokic. They cover so many things on the floor. And it's not just, you know, it's not like you're all school power forward, like, you know, Tim Duncan or, you know, a KG type stuff. I feel like it is just, it's very different nowadays. And to me, this position dictionary, like, if you guys don't know about it, make sure you just check it out on sportstalk2319.com. Uh, it's it's really great stuff, great great stuff, Rashad. Thank you. Hey, so Vlad brought up a name, and I think one of the biggest ones is Jokic, and obviously he's being talked about a lot right now, MVP and all that. But I thought that position, Rashad, is huge. The one, the point center, yeah, because because that Jokic isn't a center, right? Like, I mean, I know he goes to the basket, he'll put his back to the basket and go to the post, but he initiates offense for Denver. He he is their quote unquote. He's their engine. Yeah, so to me, that's one of the most important positions uh, of of this dictionary you created. And, and for guys like Jokic, and how many guys did we miss, Rashad, before before this because they didn't fit the mold? Right. We It's like I, I, I got this question. Uh, I get this question a lot, fellas. Uh, people always say, well, you just created point center to fit Jokic. And I said, no, not that's not true. 
there's been other point centers, but they've been <laughs> slotted at power forward, so we never got to see them be point centers. Yep. Is Draymond one of them, Rashad? Huh? Is, Is Draymond, Draymond Green, Green one, one of those guys? Draymond's a hybrid post. He's not a center. center okay. The center has to have some height, okay? Like, you can't be a 6'6". You know, like, the center position still has relevance in regards to the size. Sure. So okay. that's why I use point center. Um, Draymond is 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 more of a hybrid post um, because of his elite defensive anchor. You know that's why I the hybrid post because Draymond is an elite post defender as well. Rashad, just I know we we don't have to get into like individual players a whole lot, but. Since you brought up Draymond, because I've been getting this a lot, like in some of my old teammate group chat, like Draymond takes a lot of heat. I feel like, what, what's your take on Draymond? Because I feel like he's almost becoming undervalued now, and maybe he's starting to lose just a little bit here later in his career. But I, I feel like he does so many things that don't just show up in the box score. He defends. He He's really good out of the pick and, pick and roll with Steph Curry. Like, what, what's your take on Draymond? Yeah, I just, I just think that, uh, you know, it's running its course in regards to what Draymond has has done for the organization, and sure. and I think a lot of times when you win a lot, people are jealous of that. Like Draymond has won a lot of games, <laughs> and and the average person watching looks at Draymond and says, "Well, he doesn't jump really high. Yeah, he can't really shoot. He can't really dribble. So it's almost hard to give him credit." for what he's accomplished. So you want to hang a lot of his, you know, you want to hang a lot of his credit to Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. And I just think that's not fair. Um, Draymond is a cerebral basketball player, and he's one of those players that was mislabeled coming out of college, and they couldn't really find a position for him as well. For sure. For sure. You know what I love about Draymond, and I know you, you kind of mentioned it, is people back off of him, you know, just because they shot. And then he goes in those dribble handoff and he sets a good screen. And then and then the, the big guy is so far back that he can't step up in time. So Steph and Clay get those shots. And I feel like that's so undervalued. Like that's a smart play by a big guy that they just they, they, they don't make those plays anymore. So like to me, that's just one of those little things that if you pay attention and he makes so many of those little things happen in the game, and that's why they're so successful. And like, it just, it really takes a deep dive into watching him play to really feel like how important he's that roster. He's very important to what, he's very important to what Golden State has done over the years. Now you can say, oh, well, if you, you know, you Draymond is a person you just can't replace. Um, his energy, his leadership, um, the way he he has a magnetism about him, um, he's very <laughs> yeah. infectious, and you just can't replace people like Draymond Green, and and, and that's 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 what makes him great. So uh, switching gears here a little bit, Rashad. Same with the position dictionary. So I, I'm gonna tell on myself here a little bit. So I like I said, I tried to peg some guys. So the one guy I missed the most whenever I'm trying to put him into your position dictionary was Luka Doncic. I put Luka Doncic as a point guard. The Perfect blend of vision, decision-making, scoring. I had Chris Paul in there, but I, I had Doncic in there, and you have him as a dual forward. Is that because of a size thing again, or is there some skill set there on why I missed the boat on that one? Yeah, he's definitely not a point guard. 
He's a Can't. he's a dual forward. Or sorry, sorry, sorry. I said I, I said point. I meant traditional guard. Yeah, traditional he's even guard. no. He's he's definitely not a traditional guard because traditional traditional oh, guards okay. don't score twenty five points a game. Yeah, yeah. So point guard. I had him as a point guard, and you're saying no way a point guard. Nah, he's not a point guard. Okay. He his style of play is not a point guard. I I think okay. we've gotten to the point with basketball that we feel that whoever brings the ball up the court, you call him a point guard. Sure. That doesn't make him a point guard. The style of play makes him a point guard. That's why when you look at Chris Paul and Luka Doncic have nothing in common. Sure. Nothing. But Luka Doncic and LeBron James has a lot in common. The way that they play the game. You look at the dual forward is the the Grant Hill, the LeBron, the Giannis, the Luka. Those guys are dual forwards. They're forwards. That can do both things. That's why I use the word dual. Dual means two. So they're forwards with guard responsibilities. That's what makes them dual forwards. So is that where Giannis falls in as well? Giannis is a dual forward. Dual forwards are engines. Dual forwards are, are usually players that everything runs through them. Um, and I believe you had Kevin Durant as a dual forward, which he is, he is not. That, yeah, that's what I said. I was just looking at that one, and, and as, as we talk about it more, I was like, I, I, that's another one I had in the wrong spot. Yeah, he's a small forward. Like, okay. like you got to look at Kevin Durant and Carmelo Anthony. Those guys are like the epitome of what a small forward is. Sm- small forwards are basically bigger shooting guards. Sure. That's all they are. Like So when you look at this position metric, you'll see as you get better and study it, the guys will just fall in the slots. You don't have to yes, overthink yeah. it. Like They'll just yeah. fall in the definition. But I, I understand why you had Durant there. I understand why you had Luka there. Like I get it. You're not the first person to have them slotted there. But if you read the definitions, you'll say, okay, that doesn't fit that person. Durant doesn't get gaudy stats. He's just a great scorer. Sure. Dual forwards are more guys that do points, assists, and rebounds. And they do it all the time. They're engines for their offense. Durant has really never been an engine. Sure. Think about it. Like, even when he was with OKC, he wasn't really the engine. Russell Westbrook was really the engine. Durant has just been the great scorer on every team he went to. He's the he's the great scorer with Brooklyn right now, you know. So that's why you don't give him the dual forward tag, and you look at the lineage of the position. Kevin Durant is more like, uh, like I said, like like a, a Carmelo Anthony and 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 those guys. No, and that's what you said. You hit you hit exactly what happened as I was trying to do this. And get more and more familiar with it. There were some guys they fell right into it, like Steph Curry, Damian Lillard were easy to me. But then you start to overthink it, and I think that's what I started to do. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like I'm like, okay, this guy needs to go here because he does this, and you 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 just overthink things too much. Yeah, I did the same thing, guys. Like this is this is something that I've been studying for, like you know, to put out the last four years. So. I've kind of got it to a science before I kind of released it to the public. But I had those same issues when I first said, "Okay, I'm going to come out with this. 
I was overthinking it as well. Like, oh, I'm going to put him there because it looks cool. But sometimes <laughs> you don't have to put him in the slot that looks cool because, oh, it's the new shiny definition. So I want to put Kevin Durant there. Well, Kevin Durant's really is just he's, – he's a small forward. He's just seven foot. Yep. Yep. Great. Hey, Rashad, you know, I have two questions. But the first one is, is Russ a combo guard or a dual forward? Because I keep looking at it. I read the definitions. I kept reading for the last two minutes, three minutes. I'm like, I go back and forth and I'm like, Russ is such a unique player that I have a hard time just figuring it out, honestly. He's, he's a hybrid guard. Okay. Okay. Because – you guys also have to look at the height when you're looking at positions. Okay, so you don't want to abandon the the traditional position chart. What you want to okay. do is add to it. Russell Westbrook has been categorized as a point guard. Why? Because he's only 6'4". So you still want to keep size and in, in, in relevance. So he wouldn't be a dual forward because the dual forwards are actually forwards. <laughs> because he's height. Yep. He's okay. not a forward. So he's still in the guard family. So now when you look at the guard family, where does he fit in the guard family? He's, gotcha. he's, okay. a, he's a hybrid guard. He disrupts your entire game plan. But he has the statistics of a dual forward. So I understand your thought process. Got you. Okay. So it, it makes a ton of sense now. Now what you just said, that cleared up some stuff for me at least. Because I was like a little bit confused. I was like, man, Russ is like, I, I just love watching Russ play, you know, and um, Bryce knows like I've been so high on the Wizards since the beginning of the season because of that, you know, because of his his motor and the way he plays. And uh, yeah. He's a guard. Like you okay. can't go away from him being a guard. Got you. Okay, it's the same as uh, as Draymond. You know that's why you can't really put him at a point center. I get it. Okay. You see what I'm saying? Like they still belong in their family. So you you look at you look at it from three origins: guard, forward, center. Right. So guard, forward, center is based on what size. So okay. so that's how you kind of you know you find the slots for them. So you're still like like you said. So to continue to use you as an example, Rashad, your size still puts you in the guard family, but you you're not pigeonholed to quote unquote point guard because that wasn't your game. Correct, correct. I was I'm in the guard family. Like as like I I can't get away from that. Yeah. But my style takes me out of t- traditional. My style takes me out of point guard, but it it doesn't put me at combo guard but it puts me at hybrid guard because I was poisonous as a player. Okay. That, that truly makes sense. And you know what? My second question was, is the power forward a dying breed? Yeah, they're on their last leg. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't come up with any Rashad. Like I had to go to Tim Duncan because I couldn't come up with a modern day example. And I know you have a couple here on the website, but I was like, man, I, I literally can't come up with a name. Yeah, they're in their last leg, man. Like I said, Montrez Harrell, but he's kind of a hybrid post almost. Um, he's kind of com- a lot of guys that are power fours are converting to the hybrid post slot. They just don't know it because they don't know the terms. <laughs> yeah. You see what I'm saying? Tristan Thompson is really a power forward, but he's trying to be a hybrid post. 
Like yeah. the power forward position is really being erased with hybrid posts. Do you think this is like what do you? To me, I love this game, this aspect of the game, the way the game has has changed. These big guys that are can handle it and are skilled and are shooting it. Like, do you like that as well? Like the floor spacing, the skill level. Yeah. Like, to me, it's it, I love it. I think it's beautiful basketball. I get real frustrated with people who still kind of I hate to say old school because I don't mean to, that in a negative way, but like, no, nah, he's seven footer. He should be down on the post. Like, no, nah, man, if the man can shoot and dribble and, and initiate offense, where does it what does it matter? Yeah, I'm not one of those dudes that are like like I embrace evolution. You know, that's like that's like saying, do you like the iPhone or do you, <laughs> right. or, do you or do you want to go back to your your flip phone back in 2001? It's like, no, I, I like the iPhone. You yeah, know, like playing, playing Snake all day. Yeah, like I, I I like evolution. So I embrace where the game is going because I mean, for me, that's the way I played anyway. I was I was a hybrid guard, you know, 25 years ago. So I, I really, I really love what, where the game is right now. So, so speaking of that as well, so we've talked about three level scores. So I, I love this. I saw this the other day. You were working somebody out, and I saw you. You still got it. See you, sh- you shooting that thing. <laughs> Four, that fourth level. Can you explain to our listeners? Yeah. Um, that that fourth level scoring and yeah. kind of what guys have that. Yeah. So when I when I look at the basketball court once you cross half court i break the court up in four levels so as soon as you cross the half court line you're in the fourth level which means that's like really deep water and then as you get to the regular three-point line that's kind of the that's the third level like just the, the 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 regular the regular water where people can kind of swim and be comfortable um, yep. And then you get to the mid-range area, it's the second level. And then once you get close to the basket, it's the first level. So there's, you know, fourth level scoring is a rarity. And there's only there's only three players in the NBA that actually play four-level scoring. And that's Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, and Trey Young. Those is only three guys that are four-level scorers. Now, can other guys score from the fourth level? Yes. I'm not saying that Kyrie can't hit shots from the fourth level, but he doesn't play at the fourth level. And I can, I don't think people realize, like, I think some people look at those shots, they think they're bad shots or whatever, like shooting from that far. But I'm like, do you realize how that opens up the game for these guys? Like for Steph Curry, when you have to literally guard those guys at 35 feet and the way the NBA is played and no defensive three seconds, like it just gives them so many other options Whenever you're having to try to guard them that far from the floor, from the paint. Yeah, that's why it's deep waters, man. You got to wear a life jacket when you go out there in the fourth level. Because <laughs> it's, it, it, it get that water, get, you can't feel the bottom of the pool no more once you get to the fourth level, man. You're out, it's scary as a defender out there, right? It's scary out there, man. You get out there, you get lost, man. You get, <laughs> you get lost. That current will push you away, man. So. Yeah, so that's what I mean when I talk about, you know, fourth-level scoring. You know, obviously in the NBA, you got pretty much all guards maybe can hit that shot. But it's not about being able to hit that shot because I, I get people trying to argue it all the time. Like, well, LeBron James is a four-level scorer. And then, and, then they, and then they show me a clip of LeBron hitting like a four-level three. And I'm like, no, I never said that they can't make a shot from there, but they don't play from there. Yep. It's yep. a difference. Major difference for sure. 
And since we talked about, um, you know, four-level scoring, and uh, I think it's a good time to move the Pistons, and I would really love to get your thoughts on Sadiq Bey, for example, just to begin with, because in the beginning of the season, just by watching his clips, you know, before we started this, this show uh, back in November, I really went out on a limb, and I said he can become a three-level scorer, and he could have the potential of a Chris Middleton. Was I wrong or right? I just want to take your thoughts on that, Rashad. You were very accurate. That was a very that was a, a really good comparison um, of analyzing Sadiq Bay. Um, he is a anytime you there's two schools where when you see their kids on the board, you draft them because you know they're prepared. <laughs> Villanova and Florida State. Anytime a kid is coming out those two programs. They're going to have an impact in the NBA. So you were you were you were very accurate with with that comparison. You know, my comparison for Sadiq Bay was Antoine Walker. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That was my comp where because Antoine was, you know, Antoine was like a he was kind of a small forward, kind of stretch big, right? He was like in between. Yeah. So I, I look at Sadiq Bay as a as, you know obviously a small forward, but he yeah. he has the ability, he stretches the defense with his jump shot. That's why he reminded me of Antoine Walker. Sadiq. Oh, man. So then Go ahead, we have to be really, really excited about this, honestly, about this whole draft class or shot. And um, I've been watching the Pistons uh, basically since I kind of moved back to Michigan um, the last six, seven years. I've been spending my offseason there and really consider that my home. And I've been watching them a lot the last six, seven years. And uh, honestly, this draft class got me so excited, man. I think not just Sadiq Bazaar, Stuart Hayes. Saban Lee, I think they all, you know, that they're they're on a good path, really. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I like this class, man. Stewart, Stewart is tremendous. I mean, he's so physical. <laughs> he's like the he's a he's a he's a power forward. Yeah, he's just very physical. He's old school. He sets hard screens. He rebounds. So you need enforcers like that. And I, I take my hat off to Troy Weaver for going back and and trading for Isaiah Stewart, even though that origin of position is a dying breed, he, you still can carve out a niche in the NBA if you play that position the right way. Before we cross, he has I'm, been shooting threes. Uh, sorry, Bryce, uh, just one yeah, second about yeah, Stewart ahead, because ahead. we talked about shooting with Stewart, and when I watched him, I was watching his form uh, because as a shooter, usually for me, it kind of relates to form. And... Very rarely you can become a shooter, especially as a big, if your form is all kind of messed up. So when I was watching him shoot free throws at Washington last year, and I was like, you know what? This kid, he might be able to shoot down the road. What are your thoughts on that, on Stewart developing that three-point shot? Yeah, I mean, he shot 74 or something like that percent from the free throw line last year, which is, you know, which is rare for big. Usually bigs are horrendous free throw shooters. So he already has the technique to be able to do that. So obviously he continues to work on his game in the off season. And if the Pistons start implementing him as far as a pick and popper, then I think he can evolve into that. But right now I really like how he's being used. You know, he, he's a pick and roller. He's a rim runner. He's a screen setter and he's an enforcer. And he's, he's really, uh, you know, embraced that role. And I think that's where he's going to make his bones. Yeah, he, he just, He's been getting so – he's finally kind of hit the national stage, I feel like, lately. He's getting some national love for that. But, I mean, early in the year, you could just tell. He 
he had a quote. I always go back to this. He said, you know, every, a lot of guys are lucky that we didn't have a NBA draft combine because I would have exposed them. And I just, I just love that mentality because, and he seeing him now in the NBA, he probably would have because he plays so hard. He's a monster, bro. And and I just, I think it'll be interesting to see if that skill set continues to develop. And we've talked about this draft class. So, so the last one obviously is Killian Hayes, and you know, probably the one that's taken the most heat. He didn't look super great early on. Then he had the injury. He's been looking better since then. What, what's your thought about Killian Hayes? I just think that he's young. Anytime you're drafted in a lottery, right? So his him being a seventh pick put uh it put it put the lights on him, right? If he was yep. drafted twenty second, nobody would care. It's it's the fact that he was drafted so high, and I think the Pistons knew that he wasn't going to be an, an immediate, you know, uh, help, but also something that they see down the road that can help them. So. Um, this kid has a uh, terrific speed. Um, he's great in ball screen action. He has good vision. So for the future, I, I really like what he brings to the table. Um, I think he's going to be a, a, a solid player in the NBA. And I think he fits right into the traditional guard, right? Like the, yeah, that, he's, that, that's the guy that distributes the ball, needs shooters around him. Yeah, he's traditional. Yes. Yeah, and and. I think he can fit well into that role. I think he can be, you know, high level in that in that role if we put the right guys around him. If we continue to find some shooters, find a good screen and roll guy like Isaiah Stewart, and he can really flourish in that role. I agree. Yeah, he's yep, he's that he's that TG. He fits that slot. Absolutely. And Rashad, now I just want to take your opinion on What's the status of the Pistons? Because uh, Bryce and I had this conversation many times. We had multiple guests on, and uh, we kind of asked them about this. Because for me personally, honestly, I think we are one, maybe two pieces away from being a playoff team. Just by judging how these rookies played this year, how Jeremy Grant and Plou, uh Plumlee's role on this team that I love, uh, you know, Bryce knows, and he's going to kill me about it because no, I'm, no, I'm a big, no, I'm a big Plumlee fan. No Plumlee you know, hate Sean? on this episode. No Plumlee hate on this episode. <laughs> Just because of what he brings to the table, um, you know, it's like a to me what he's like a mini Draymond, uh, Draymond slash Jokic for like really cheap money, in my opinion. I'm not sure you can find that really. And um, I just feel like we're one, two pieces away from us being really competitive. Uh, what's your take on that? Yeah, I, I just think it's really early. I think the Pistons will be back in playoff contention in three years. In three know? years, okay. Yeah, I, I give it three years. Obviously, this year is a wrap. Next year will be a wrap. And then the year after that, I think that's when you start seeing like, okay, the Pistons are like, you know, seventh seed now. You know, so two more seasons – um, I think the Pistons will be right there. You 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 have the growth of Sadiq Bay. You'll have the growth of Stewart. The draft pick that they will have this year could possibly be Kay Cunningham. So I, I really like the direction that the Pistons are going in. Yeah, Troy, Troy Weaver has done a great job, and he you know he turned the roster over. Obviously, hit on the draft, and if we joke about Plumlee on this show a little bit, and Vlad and I go back and forth. Um, and so I, I grew up in Kansas, Rashad. I was a KU fan growing up, actually, and grew up not being a fan of Duke whatsoever. So, like, that's kind of, that's kind of the joke here, I guess. But, I mean, I, res- I respect the program. I respect Coach K, but that's kind of just the little. But um, Troy Weaver's done a, a great job 
And I just, I'm excited to see he, he hit in free agency with Jeremy Grant. I thought Josh Jackson's been a good addition. He just, it seems like he has a really good nose for talent. Like he's, he's found it. Like Frank Jackson is killing it right now. Yeah. You know, and, and I realize somebody has to score. We're not very good. We're resting guys, but it seems like he, he has a little bit of a nose for that. And, you know, he was part of what they were doing in Oklahoma City as well. Yeah. Troy, Troy has a, has an eye for talent. Like he knows how to draft. He, he knows. Uh, he he knows the stories of these kids when he when he take them. He was the one that vouched for Russell Westbrook and said that Westbrook was going to be iconic. Like Troy kind of has he has, and it's good to have those GMs that really have a, a, a cute sense of of finding the diamonds in the rough type of players, and he's he's proven that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Hey, I, I don't want to get into this too much, but. Do you, what, what, when you're just evaluating a player, can like what do you really look for? Not even necessarily a college player, but as you're watching an NBA game, how do you kind of do that? Do you, you just kind of watch the game? Do you zone in on them? Do you have certain things you look for? What, what's kind of your what, what, what's your go to whenever you're looking at a, a player and seeing how they developed or what the next step is? Yeah, I just zone in on the individual. Um, it, it and it's a case by case study. It always depends on what I'm looking for in the player and you know, what the player is, uh, but it, the basis of it is style of play. Like okay. I, I, I hang my hat on style of play. Gotcha. That's kind of like my number one rule. Like whatever, the, like if you, you say, Hey, I want you to go, can you, can you watch this kid here? And I, the first thing I want to see is his style because identifying what you're watching is very important. And what has hurt scouting over the years is that, they don't identify the players. They just slot them. And, and well, as he's a power forward. So I'm only going to watch him with power forward thoughts. So when he bangs a three, it doesn't matter to him. Yeah, it's like, oh, he hit a three. But no, I'm looking for a power forward. So you have to go in just looking at the style of the player. And then you're able to shape your own story around that style. That's how you should scout players. Love it, love it, love it. Absolutely. And now uh, we can transition overall to the NBA, Rashad. And uh, we've had this conversation even last week in our last episode about the MVP. And uh, I had CP3 in there. And, you know, we would love to get in this conversation with you and his legacy because a lot of people and uh, I I have a big issue with that, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is, I really... Uh, it really triggers me when I see uh, people saying that he's not a winner. It's the same as Russell Westbrook. He's not a winner. He's not this. And I'm like, the guy has won at every single level. He's turned every single team around completely. And I just want to take your thoughts on CP3, honestly. Yeah, I, I think that, and I've said this before, I think professional sports is biased to celebrating small players and and cp3 fits right under that like we look at isaiah thomas who've won championships and did this and and you watch the sports society try to not celebrate him for his greatness right like history tells us that the 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 average sports person doesn't want to celebrate small players and I think it's sad because CP3 has won everywhere he's went. And I, and I blame TV. 
I blame TV media. I blame these big companies that have 40 million viewers that they're feeding the casual person nonsense about the game. And it's like, oh, CP3 has never won an NBA championship (laughs) or he's never been to the finals. That doesn't mean he's a loser, right? This is professional sports. There's only one champion per year. So that means everybody is a loser except the team that won. Right? You've been a part of these teams. You know, all of us have. And that's what I tried to tell someone the other day. I said, I don't want to diminish winning a championship. But in some ways, like, luck is the wrong word. But things have to go your way. It's it's hard as heck to win a championship. So just because CP3 hasn't, like, doesn't mean, like, he's had some bad luck. Like, the ball hasn't bounced away. He got injured the year they had the Warriors down. Like, they were going to beat the Warriors that year. They were going to be. And and listen, I love Steph Curry. He's my favorite player outside of Detroit, probably second behind Allen Iverson all time, which I want to get your opinion on him because I feel like people are forgetting about Allen Iverson, but I don't want to take away from CP3. But this gets me triggered too. And I'm not like a huge Chris Paul fan, but I'm like, that. you don't have to win championships to be a winner. That It shows everywhere he's gone, the team has gotten better. Like that's winning. It's a winner. That's a winner. That's what winning is. Like I, I – that 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 bothers me too, and I'm not like the like CP3 is not one of my favorite players ever in regards to like you know like I got like Allen Iverson and sure. Isaiah Thomas and Steph Curry and those Derrick Rose like those guys are like my favorite players of all time right but we gotta respect what we're witnessing and Chris Paul is 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 legendary and it's sad that they don't even want to put the dude in the MVP conversation it's it's like. It's like no matter what he does, they try to discredit it. Yep. Phoenix is, you know, one of the best teams in the NBA, top two team in the NBA. Oh, but his stats aren't good. He's only averaging 19 and eight. <laughs> so th- that's enough for him to be the top team in the NBA. Yep. So it's like he- they just move the goalpost depending on yep. how they feel. Like I love Jokic um, and Jokic. Um, and Chris Paul, to me, are basically 1A and 1B as far as MVP. I think it's a two-man race. Well, and that's – CP3 is obviously the alpha on that team, right? Like, it doesn't matter. We had this conversation a few days ago, me and Vlad. Like, he's the dude. Like, he's the engine. He runs that team. He's the dude, bro. Everywhere he go, he's the dude. Yeah. It, 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 is, it, is, it is frustrating. It is frustrating. I, I can't – I get, I get really, really, really upset. upset. And, I and I think you put it out. I saw it somewhere on Twitter, Twitter that like somebody put it out all the winning percentages and how they improved. And I, 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 I retweeted that, that sent it into my group chat because there's a couple old teammates, teammates who just refused to, to, to give them his credit. Oh, my God. It's, it's like, bro, like if you a real basketball person, you know, you got to be able to take off the narrative glasses. Yep. You got to take them off, man. It's like, oh, Steph Curry should win MVP. How? Why? Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> how? How? How is? How should he win MVP over Chris Paul? Yeah, because he's he had forty nine. It's like we're so stat driven yep, yep. that we've gotten away from just who who is the most valuable player. I didn't say who's the better player. Yep, yep. It's who's who's the most valuable player. I believe Chris Paul is the most valuable player in the NBA. Jokic is more dominant, but Denver has a system in place. Denver wins. They win because they have the the proper system in place 
to get those wins. And the whole Chris Paul, oh, wait, you're forgetting Devin Booker. No, Devin Booker needs Chris Paul. <laughs> yep. Exactly. The winning in the bubble, the 8-0 and in the bubble, that means absolutely nothing. So we need to stop with the – where the Suns were 8-0 in the bubble. Yes, they were <laughs> They were 10th place in the West. They were so bad that they went 8-0 and and still, still didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it – you you said you you said it the phrase a little earlier, Rashad. They move they move the goalposts, right? So like, whenever it's this guy's turn to win it, it's about stats. When it's this guy's turn to win it, this year, yeah, this year we can't do best player on the best team because we want to argue about who the best. Some people don't even think Chris Paul is the best player on the Suns, which is crazy. Or the Jazz, you you don't know who the best player is or whatever. So this year it's something different. And I get frustrated just as a fan and someone doing, you know, getting the opportunity to do this now. Like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to use now. Like, I sound like an idiot if I say it's CP3 because, nope, this year it's about stats. You know what I mean? Yeah, because, it, yeah, it's the it's the goalpost. The goalpost moves depending on who's the favorite, right? Yep. Because going into the season, everybody wanted Luka to win it, right? It was yep, like yep. Luka's the preseason. Luka's not going to win MVP this year, but y'all want him to, so – we're going to push this narrative for him to win MVP. Yep. Then it doesn't happen. It's like, well, Dallas is trying to fight for a playoff spot. So, okay, now, well, Jokic is doing good. You know, so let's let's put the narrative on – let's move the goalpost to Jokic now. But in the meantime, Chris Paul is the most valuable player in the NBA. But we don't want to adjust the goalpost for Chris Paul because it's just not – it's not a popular thing – why would why would we give an MVP to a thirty five year old six foot like it's just not popular? Yep. Uh, I know you mentioned Isaiah Thomas, and that's another trigger for me too. Is like he's so underrated. I feel like at times, and people forget how like they forget how great he was and how how much he gave up on himself for the Pistons to win those championships. And uh, that's another thing that triggers me when I see him as like. I uh, was like top ten. I'm like, no, he's not top three. And like to me, he's like top three, uh, top five. Okay, don't go below that for me. Like you know, and I know you have a documentary about Isaiah Thomas, and I want to get to that too. Um, would you mind telling us a little bit about the documentary with Isaiah Thomas that you just had out? Yeah, I mean, you know, Isaiah Thomas is one of my childhood heroes, man. Like I'm, I'm from Detroit, so I, I witnessed Isaiah's, you know, maturation. You know, as as a as a Winning a national title in at Indiana, and then you know going to Detroit, being the number two pick in the draft, and 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 basically flipping our city upside down. You know, like I watched him battle Magic Johnson, watched him battle Larry Bird, I watched him battle Bernard King, and as I got older, as a as a basketball player, I started to realize how amazing Isaiah Thomas was as the older I got, I'm like, wow, like the things that he was doing was wasn't being talked about because the narrative was already set in the NBA. It was a Larry Bird, Magic Johnson league. okay, and there here comes this six foot one little small point guard in Detroit. And hold up, he's he's interrupting the storyline. He's he's beating Magic. He's beating Bird. And wait a minute, he's he keeps beating Michael Jordan. Like Isaiah Thomas was a disruptor to a preset 
narrative. So I felt that I felt compelled to do a, a documentary highlighting the facts of what he's done, not my opinion. The facts of what he's done as a basketball player. And, and that's what I've you know set out to do for other players like Chauncey Billups and Chris Weber and Antonio Gates. And I got more lined up where I want to tell the true organic story of these players and not the Hollywood story because Hollywood stories, they, they add the, they add extra spice and they, they, they twist, they twist the story to make it more rating appeal. And I didn't want to get into that business. I want to tell the real story. And that's, I mean, that's what, so Isaiah, or sorry, Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas went from, like you said, I've never thought of it this way, from the bird magic to then Jordan came and he kind of just, those years they won it in his career almost just gets lost in all of that. Exactly. Like that's the, because the media never wanted to crown Isaiah Thomas. They wanted to crown magic bird and Jordan. And we're witnessing this a little bit with Chris Paul. For sure. Like, sure. Isaiah Thomas was winning championships, though, and we were still trying to ignore it. Like, oh, you know, Isaiah Thomas is one sprained ankle away from three-peating. If he doesn't turn his ankle in 88, they, they beat the Lakers, and he three-peats. If he doesn't turn his ankle... And peep, nobody has never said that. Isaiah Thomas was one sprained ankle away from three-peating at 6-1. <laughs> uh, so, see, and this is where I don't understand it, though, Rashad, because I feel like, again, I thought we loved the underdog story here in America, and that was the thing we liked. And, like, these quote-unquote little guys should be what we love to hear about. Like, that's what I loved about Allen Iverson. So, like, you know, I brought him up a little bit ago, like, I just love watching that dude do his thing and he was six foot, how much ever, and just go in there fearless. And I just like, I, I fell in love with it. I, I was fascinated as a kid watching Allen Iverson play. So I don't understand why people don't want to know these stories and these guys and, you know, build them up because I thought that's what we love to hear about. We, we, we pick and choose when we want to celebrate right. somebody. That's the that's the issue. We the goal we we move the goalpost for Allen Iverson because Allen reminded Allen I you could see yourself in Allen Iverson, and 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 Allen Iverson embraced rap music. He embraced yeah. the hip hop culture. He got tattoos. Like the world loved that because you could see yourself in in, in Allen Iverson and. You know, for me too, like Allen Iverson is my in my top five favorite players ever. He he may be number one, <laughs> you know, because I could see myself in Allen Iverson, but it still doesn't give you the right to disrespect a Chris Paul who who don't have any tattoos, but he's small and he plays the game at a high level as well. You know, like we 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 have to do a better job of really celebrating greatness because greatness comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. Absolutely. I love that. And Rashad, I, I was just 
love to keep talking about all this, but we have one last question uh, for you regarding the playing game. And we've seen uh, lately, uh, or the latest, LeBron criticizing it. What's your take on this format? And, uh, you know, just uh, what's going on right now? Because uh, I know Bryce and I had this conversation quite a few times on um, a few episodes back. And uh, I, we, we just go back and forth, basically, on the playing games. I don't, like, I, I, I don't really care. Honestly, I don't like play in, play out. Like, I just think it's just another talking point that people want to. It's just something that we can gossip about. At the end of the day, the best teams are going to win. You know, like the best teams are going to be in the in the finals at the end of the day. Who cares if Memphis and Dallas is in the play in? They're not going to be in the finals anyway. Sure. It doesn't matter. The Milwaukee Bucks and the Clippers, and though they're not in the play-in games, they're not in the play-in games. Like the Lakers, if they get to the play-in games, it's because they were injured. They don't, they don't belong there. The play-in games are for teams that that are up and down throughout the year. That's all it is, you know. So I can't say I agree with it, that I'm against it, or that I'm with it. If at the in the grand scheme of things. It really doesn't matter. At the end of the day, it's a non-factor because those it's teams a non-factor. aren't factor. Those guys aren't playing. Those teams aren't making. They maybe they're probably not stealing a first-round victory. Exactly. And it's going to be fun to watch those one games. It's given us. And and if they keep it in five years, we'll all get used to it. And nobody will talk about it because I remember when the NCAA first influ- implemented the first four. It wasn't four games to start with. It was just two. It was all talked about as a big deal, and now it's just part of it anymore, and and nobody worries about it. That's what I'm saying. Like I just think it's just a, a it's new, so it's a good talking point for everybody's sure. show. But at the end of the day, the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't matter. Like I said, if the the Pacers, the Pacers and the Heat are playing in a playing game, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Absolutely. Well, Rashad, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Bryce and I really appreciate it, man. And uh, make sure you guys go check it out. You know, his uh, his website, podcast, and definitely documentaries. Um, I, I can't I can't wait for these, uh, honestly. And uh, I'll make sure to check out Isaiah Thomas one as soon as possible. Yeah, check that one out. That one's already out on Tubi. You go on Tubi and you can just type it in. It'll pop right up. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And you guys can go follow Rashad on uh, social media and just go make sure you check out a uh, sports talk 2319.com website uh you know you're gonna find there uh about info about his uh, podcast but also about the future draft prospects and uh, anything else you want to know about all this uh positional breakdowns that we talked about today and um rashad thank you again for joining us we really really, really appreciate it thanks for having me guys it's been a pleasure thank you rashad talk soon Thank you for listening to the Motor City Hoops podcast. Catch you on the next one.